Hi everyone, happy Wednesday, good morning. This is Hallie Williams and Elizabeth Copeland. And we're here with another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art, the podcast from Grief Dialogues. Today, our guest is Catherine Keats. Hi, Catherine. Hi, how are you? I'm super I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> good, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm super happy that you're here. Before we get into the show with Catherine Keats, who is, oh my gosh, kind of a big deal in my mind. Um, I would like to give a special shout out to one of our sponsors from People's Memorial. This podcast is sponsored in part by People's Memorial Association, the trusted resource and thought leaders for funeral choice, education, and advocacy in Washington State. PMA is the oldest and largest memorial society in our country. For 83 years, this nonprofit organization has been helping people make informed decisions through their classes, free legal resources, and planning tools. Visit their website at www.peoplesmemorial.org to learn more. While you're there, check out their event calendars for upcoming virtual classes and download their free resources to get started on your own end-of-life plan. As always, I we like to mention that People's Memorial is um, not just in Washington. They In Washington State, they are, uh, what is the word I'm trying to think of? They have resources that... Um, well, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> right? like, like, so if you are in Wisconsin, they can help you find resources in your state, um, wherever you are listening in, at least in the United States, right? Right. United States, yes. All right. Okay. So, Catherine Keats is a singer and songwriter and entertainer and a million things. She's super, super talented, and I have crazy, crazy, crazy respect, kudos, like star eye emojis to performing artists um, who are singers because that was a dream of mine at one point of life when I was younger. But um, Catherine, how do you know Grief Dialogues and Elizabeth and now me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I became connected with Elizabeth um, and uh, then Grief Dialogues through Theater Resources Unlimited and... um, uh, specifically, uh, Nico Juber, yes, there, yes, Nico, that, yes. Uh, who wrote who wrote uh, "Millennials Are Killing Musicals." Oh. That you have to be connected to Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and oh, have um, to thank Nico. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, and um, that is how um, I, I think how I met you, but and and. Um, Shout out to True, of course. Absolutely, yeah. Bob Ost over there, great. Saved my my sanity during COVID, and and COVID's still going on, as is True online. So, yes, that is where we met. Yes, yes, and and you have just been so inspiring, so inspiring to me, and have opened up a whole new world for me. Um, in my work, so I'm very, very, very oh, grateful. Well, thank you. Thank I, you. I just uh, I can't I can't wait. I know a lot about your work. I'm I'm excited to know more, and I'm excited for Hallie to hear firsthand about your work. I do want to give one little shout out the, to the fact that Catherine, you are going to be on a panel with me on August 24th. Oh yeah, and yeah. that panel is actually called Out of Illness Comes Art, and we are going mm-hmm. to talk about. 
uh, chronic illness that has made an impact on our art. And we'll be joined by two other people, but I'm just, thank you for doing that panel with me. It's through Reimagine, and we will be uh, putting links and some some marketing info about it soon. So thank you for joining Mm me uh, on that program as well. So Hallie, I know, has lots of questions for you. So you want to take it away, Hallie? I do have a lot of questions (laughs) for you. Um, But first, I'm going to give our listeners just a little bit of a baseline of who you are um, and what you've done, which is quite a feat for me. To take on because I have looked at she I always ask our guests and I'm like send me a, you know your biography so that I I can actually accurately say what you do besides being like you know you saying where you do that you know and what she sent me I was like oh my gosh we're dealing with superstar levels here because she like you have have done so much like you you've covered a lot of ground in your career and I feel like you are truly the epitome of an artist because you just kind of dip your hands and toes in a lot of different things and a lot of diverse projects. So I'm excited to pick your brain today on how um, art is really a tool through a grieving process Mm -hmm. and you have an incredible grief story but okay guys so Catherine Keats is a soulful singer prolific songwriter and unequivocal entertainer Keats born Ellen Christian Munger lived in an anonymity for 20 years after her former collaborator plagued by schizophrenia held her captive for 54 days Mm. um with help of a victim witness assistance Keats changed her identity and began a new life in hiding Keats attempted to re-enter show business and earned a Drama Critics Circle Award for her performance in Curse of the Werewolf, directed by Albert Takazakis, maybe? Mm-hmm. All right. But was recognized by an audience member, sending her back into hiding until she was then informed that her partner had died. She is a teaching artist specializing in the method and is a longstanding member of the SAG-AFTRA and AEA. Her original work can be found on all streaming outlets. Okay. And then I have, I'm going to list um, some of her work in our captions and bios and everything online because the places you have performed, the venues, the people you have worked with are incredible. And, and also a really long list that I don't think you guys want to hear me list off for, you know, five minutes. But it's, this is so impressive. Um, she also has a solo beat musical, The Hummingbird. And that has just began residency at Berkeley Repertory Theater on the ground floor and was awarded Best Solo Musical in 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you've got a lot going on. Well, it was at, it was at the ground floor a long time ago. And now oh, okay. it just finished being developed at the Marsh okay. Theater. And it, and, and not to, not to, I just don't want to confuse the audience. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, Okay, so it's at now it finished development at the Marsh Theater and it will be there in October. Okay, so it's under it. the tutelage of David Ford, who's my director, who's phenomenal. Yeah. And and so it's it's very exciting. It was quite an honor to be at Berkeley Repertory Theater, the ground floor. And only and so, so yeah, it took it took ten years to actually from inception to completion to to finally tell the story of what happened um so do you mind sharing the story of what happened and what led to your show no i'm happy to um i uh got to you know i was wanted to be a singer my whole life and Mm -hmm. do broadway Mm -hmm. and um 
when, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it now that I'm a little further away from having written it. And um, mm. I, uh, when I was 16, my brother was killed uh, oh in a motorcycle gosh. accident. And he was killed, happened to be killed on the, the evening uh, after he and I had this big argument about, and I was young, he was only 22, about taking him to work on, on, uh, in the rain because he didn't want to ride on his new motorcycle. And I was like, no, I can't take you. No, no, I have to go to school. And then he was killed that night oh. in the rain coming home. So our family, of course, um, my mother stopped talking. I, and I stopped eating the next day, mm. literally. So oh. six months later, I talked my mother into driving me to New York. I'd been at a conservatory early from high school at Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. I'd gone very, very early, a year and a half early. Mm. And um, because I wasn't eating, they sent me home. So I talked a therapist into agreeing that I should go to New York and pursue my dream. Yeah. Because that's all I knew how to do. Yeah. So my mother drove me to New York and dropped me off. She stayed three days and dropped me off in Hell's Kitchen at an apartment oh. in 1978. Oh Whoa, that was not a place so, to drop off anybody in 1978, <laughs> let alone a young girl. Okay. From Indiana. <laughs> From, From Indiana. Indiana. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So that's how my show starts, is uh, I'm singing with my teacher in Indiana, wow. and then I go to New York. So... I was very vulnerable and, and extremely grief-stricken from my brother, losing yeah. my brother, who was my best friend in the whole world. And I, of course, blamed myself. And um, not that I was conscious of all of this. And I was immediately cast in shows mm. because I was talented and driven and desperate. Mm. And so ultimately I met um, a music director who I... I pursued because I needed to be seen yeah. and, and um, he was much older than I and unbeknownst to me, he was ill mm. and very gifted mm. and very talented. And he taught me about art mm. and culture and, you know, Grotowski and wow. Ezra Pound and Modigliani and things that I had never known anything about. Right. And yeah. he taught me how to write shows and songs and really how to uh, become an artist, be, start to become an artist. Mm. And we were together five years. And in about the third year, his illness began to show itself and he was a Vietnam veteran um, and was an in intelligence in Vietnam and he really began to come apart and um, it culminated in him thinking that the CIA had implanted a device in his brain and that I was at the center of a conspiracy to control him and the relationship had been you know becoming more violent and I, I literally had never had any experience with that at all and nor had I done any drugs or anything before I met him. And of course, that was involved in the relationship as well. Um, so he ended up holding me and I was obsessed with him. I was obsessed with also trying to save him. Mm, right. And the right. show is about that. You know, it's a beat musical. Uh -huh. 
It's a solo beat musical and I played 15 characters and it's filled with love because I loved him. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's filled with all also of the classic things that any kind of relationship that entails violence, obsession, yeah. Stockholm syndrome, all of these things that we go through are, are uh, you know, that they contain. It is also filled with that because the relationship was. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to take out of this show was the cookie cutter box story because I don't believe these relationships really have them as, as they're represented societally, mm. right? Yeah. I, I want these stories told individually mm. because they are individual stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. they contain real life individual mm-hmm. experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and they contain love, and they contain loss, and they contain joy, and they contain humor, right? Right. Right. And they're, you know, so, um, so he, of course, it was very, very violent. It was psychologically very, very damaging, very, very scary. Um, my sister realized that she couldn't get a hold of me. She was a psychologist. Uh-oh. And yeah. she ended up saving me and calling the police. And he was taken away in a straitjacket. Oh. And he was put into a wow. uh, hospital for 72 hours and we put him back to where he was from. And then he, came, he called and said he was coming for me. And he came incognito to get me in a white wig and a white robe and I mean hundreds of miles and the police just by the sheer luck that there was a case right before mine and the woman had been killed the deputy the district attorney's office took my took the case and they apprehended him and they wow. put him in the hospital long enough to have a jury trial. And it was a, it was a criminal proceeding with a civil standard. And he was put into a mental institution for six months oh my gosh. so that I could go underground. Oh my. And, and change my identity long enough for me to disappear. Right. And then I was, I disappeared and I spent 20 years making sure I was safe. So my family didn't know, but, and my friends didn't know where I was. My children didn't know who I was um, until it was safe to come out. And I knee jerked coming out, which was, which is a regret of mine. My children were very young and it was not a, you know, I don't know. I I don't know if they share this with me now, but it was not something I would do again. I would not, mm. you know, I didn't take counsel properly um, to come out of hiding and start singing so quickly. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So oh, you. So he was in the hospital for six months. You were technically a prisoner for. 20 years really that, that that doesn't seem like justice was served how how does that feel or is that what you're what the hummingbird's all about 
Well, see, I think, I don't think justice was served either way. Mm. I think mm. we both were lost. I mean, I think that, I think that everyone fell through the cracks. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think my, I think he, he fell through the cracks. Um, I think the issue of how people with mental illness were treated and are treated is still such an incredible problem, yeah. you know, oh, that we haven't figured out how people ho- who are in relationships uh, that are violent and how, how uh, this is handled hasn't been figured out. I mean, I think the family members, you know, also fell through the cracks. Mm. My own family who didn't know what happened. I mean, it's, it's all, yeah. you know, what is the lack of education Oh yeah. Yeah. It just it just so I don't I don't feel I feel I'm really lucky to be able to create and use my art right to be able to share my experience mm-hmm. and marry it with my art and be able to to communicate and, and hopefully be of service for other people and that's what I've been doing with it since I could come out you know um so that I can help people have space to heal and also to inspire people to understand that we can get through anything Mm. and Uh, and it's helped me to figure out what happened Mm -hmm. and unpack it I mean Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that your story, every story has a lot of sides and a lot of layers, but yours has got, wow, a, lo- well, a lot to process in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, it's taken me a really long time to even figure out or understand it all, what, what really happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your process was where, uh, when you were finally able to, to come out of Hiding. Hiding, yeah. for lack of a better right. word. Um, uh, did you, how did you deal with that? I mean, did you immediately, like, maybe consciously or unconsciously say, okay, I'm going to write a song about it? Or or how did you use your art? What, what was your thought process to getting where you are? Yeah, I immediately, I wrote, I immediately wrote after the silence um, mm. and started, you know, and it was, it was not my best work in any way, shape, or form. I just hit the ground running. A Reader's Digest story came out. Um, I started doing talk shows. I mean, I came out so quickly because I was so, again, I had the same wound. I was so desperate to be seen. I created the same pattern, right? Yeah. That I had... I was going to ask, right. I was going to say, like, how did your relationship with music change after this? Because, okay, in my mind, and I'm totally an outsider, right? Like, I, oh my gosh, I can't even put myself into this, you know, into your shoes. But, you know, you were so passionate about your music and performing and, and just your career prior to this happening. And then you have something that, in my mind, I could only imagine would give all of that love for it a a yucky taste in my mouth right because like now it had evolved into this like you're triggered by 
That's a good point. You know, yeah. and, and then yeah. and that and you're but but the thing is is that I think what I think with her is that the music and the creativity is who you are at your soul. And so it's not like you could just shut that off. You is know, that, is that what happened? I I, I don't. I hadn't really <laughs> I'm thought assuming. about that. I hadn't thought about that, but could, but Hallie's right. I'm not sure that if, in, you know, if music was my passion after all that, I would want anything to do with music. That's so, such a better way to so say. So, what? How, how did you process? That's well, so this? interesting. Well, no, because I had. First of all, I was teaching, and I was still uh, like working in in the arts as far as I, you know, I, I had created with a good friend of mine, this big acting school. Oh, wow. Um, in LA and San Francisco, I had been working in film and television on projects, which isn't even in all of that stuff I sent you. I mean, I had stayed in the other side of the industry during the 20 years that you were hiding. Yeah, okay, okay. I had to. I, I I I had to keep being creative. I had yeah. been mm-hmm. writing, you know, kept writing. But musically, I have children, and my children are incredibly musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so my you know my family, my husband, you know, everybody's really musical. So, and I married an actor. So, I. But as far as my own music, I didn't do it. I haven't even really thought. I didn't do anything musically until I, th- I found out that he had died. And then I just Gave you permission. Yeah, it was like oh. it said something. I free. called the deputy, the deputy district attorney who pled my case, uh, who is Judge Leo Dorado, who's now judge. Wow. And... Um, I just hit the ground running mm-hmm. and I had so much music pent up inside wow. um, that the first song I ever wrote actually when, when after the jury trial mm-hmm. is the last song in the show now. So I did try to write like the year after yeah. mm-hmm. and then it just stopped. Mm-hmm. But that song ends the show. Oh, wow. Okay. Powerful. okay. Yeah. So can you give me a give us a little um, idea what the premise of the hummingbird is? We've been talking about the show The Hummingbird. What is it exactly? I know solo performance, but um so yeah, I can. So I can just in the early eighties, mm-hmm. uh Cap, you know, Catherine Keats uh is a promising young musician and a performer who had uh you know performed off broadway and and um she comes to or or, well let me try this again okay it's the early it's the late 70s and ellen comes to new york Mm -hmm. and she meets a um, her music director Mm -hmm. and uh he uh, begins to teach her uh, how to be a true artist. Mm -hmm. And and they fall madly in love. Mm -hmm. And they write shows. And they write music. And they have that kind of love affair that 
any anyone truly truly wants yeah yeah and and she believes that that together they will you know will will create the cosmos artistically mm-hmm. and he he tells her she is the one mm-hmm. and he then begins to um become mentally ill with schizophrenia and he he um falls into 13 different personalities wow oh my gosh all all of whom think that that you know she is the person that is at the center of a conspiracy to destroy him right and at one point um they go see a psychiatrist in new york who says i can hospitalize him and she says no because she's afraid uh, to yeah. lose her oh, gosh that's her really, career yeah. and her lover oh, yeah what is that? and so he pulls her captive mm-hmm. and then everything falls apart a trial happens and she has to leave right. new york and leave Right. her whole career mm-hmm. and the second part of the show mm-hmm. is him in her mind oh my okay wow okay. Yeah. and so and and you're playing, she has to now find herself and and she has it's, to a, face it's, her, a single, it's a single actor right whether it's you mm-hmm. or someone else performing so the piece is when you say a solo piece i mean not everyone on the podcast will know so what did when oh, you yeah. say solo piece and also if you could define beat yes ah uh, so i write in beat like highway 41 and if you've ever been there you know that a semi would whack the top of your brain right off if you twerked at the pedal crossing the double yellow but i knew how to handle whips and wines and got out of there with them corn tops waving goodbye. Uh, My flying radio belted the still continued to play. So it's I write in a very beat poetry way, almost Uh, like slam. Now I have I have two clips here. Um I have Sky and I also have Who Wouldn't Want to Be Seen Like That. I want to play one real quick. Do you have for our now based off of our conversation? So who wouldn't want to be seen? I'll give you more of that. Stuff, okay, that, so let's that, play that so listeners can hear some of your work and also kind of hear the style to understand yeah. maybe, you know. That's a live cut from the very first time I ever performed the show last in 2021. Okay. Very first time. And my son was in the, one of my sons was in the audience, which is very, very intense. Wow. Okay, here we go. Just a few seconds real quick. It's a long, has a, a reputation for being able to see talent. And he says that I'm the one he wants as his muse, as his own. And he says there's more to me than others said there could ever be, that there's more to me than me. And he says I'm patchy. Takes me and he makes love to the parts of me that are lonely and afraid. Wow. 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 So it's actually music that's going to come in, but it's oh. a little it's a little cut in it's a little hot wow okay well that's a teaser so you guys you better yeah. 
<laughs> and of course, um, just you know, as a reminder, I do try my very best to link up all of the things on our episodes. So please make sure to read descriptions, and you know, um, I always try to provide. I'll provide Catherine's website so you guys can also mm-hmm. go online and browse more because she's got a lot to share. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always try to ask our our guests what little tidbit of advice perhaps they would give to this is always the hard part to who to somebody who's grieving to somebody who is an artist who has experienced grief to somebody who wants to explore singing songwriting you know right like what you've been through what piece of advice now kind of looking back on your story in life do you feel like would be helpful to share i know that's a hard question (laughs) what piece of advice um Someone who's gone through a tough time, uh, generally loss of a loved one, and they are musically inclined, let's just say, maybe yeah. not as skilled or as experienced as yeah, yeah. songwriters as you, but you know what, what could they do to maybe use music to help them through their grief? I mean, I mean, if they're a songwriter... For me, you know, when I'm working with people and they are dealing with loss Mm. and grief and they feel like they can't access their emotions, the first thing I will say to them is, you don't have to. Ah. Wow. Yes. Okay. And, And then I will ask them, um, you know, what, what do you want to say in a song? And they usually say, well, I don't know what I want to say. And I say, that's the best first line. Wow. So can you write that down? Right. And once they start wow. to have, you know, the pen to page mm-hmm. or whatever they're writing on yeah. or a lot of people will just speak or however whatever their tool is once they can just get their body moving mm-hmm. we can get somewhere you know um i think it helps to have somebody to just even be a friend or if they're in a space that they can do that yeah um to be so that they don't feel so alone, you know, and so isolated to be um, playing with, mm, right. to make it more like play, you know. Um, oh, I like that. For yeah. me, yeah, for me it was really important to have, because there's so much trauma and loss, and, yeah. and so much, I was reading, um, I, I love Joan Didion, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The Year Magical Thinking. And one thing I was reading was um, this great part about uh, um, uh, life changes fast, life changes in the instant, you sit down to dinner and life as you know it ends, the question of Mm self-pity and how um, uh, I think I'm beginning to understand why grief feels like a surprise, C.S. Lewis wrote. Mm. Um, because I, I keep 
uh, it's because the habit is gone, right? Right. And 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 there's those those. Uh, it comes from the frustration of so many impulses that had become habitual that we keep oh. expecting. So if if working with someone and they've been songwriting all this time, right. and now they've had this incredible loss. Mm-hmm. Because for us, for songwriters, triggers, these, they're important, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need, yeah. you'd think grief is like this great thing for songwriting, but... Of course, that's exactly what I thought. But horrible grief. Uh-huh. Like when I lost my lover. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so complex. Right. That's so, that's a mixed bag of emotions right there. It was, there was, it took years. I, mm-hmm. I still... I haven't written about losing him. Oh, right. Mm. So your show is more about what happened and recovery of you. Is There's it- music of ours in my show. Uh-huh. Really? Ah, okay. And is that but itself, is that, is that hard? Was it, I mean, have there been parts during the process where it was hard to listen to it? Or were you just like, no, no. this is like, no, I have Stockholm Syndrome. I wrote a show about him. Ah, mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And do you... Um, I know, obviously, you're very passionate about the show. It's won a lot of awards. It's going on to do great things. Do you feel that it is cathartic? Or is it just something you have to do? You just oh, have to put it out there. That's a good, that's a good question. I- it's been incredibly cathartic. Okay. okay. And I don't have to put it out. Ah, okay. Wow. And okay. it's incredibly cathartic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it deserves to be out yes. because of the piece of work that it is. But, and I don't have to be the one doing it. Right. It's your story. But I'm glad right? I'm yes. doing okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It, it was optioned as a movie, and I, I was like, no. Mm-hmm. But I, it has been incredibly cathartic. Why no to the movie? Yeah, well, I was going to say, why no to a movie? I'm interested. Just back okay. then. Oh. Okay. Uh, the show could be a movie mm-hmm. okay. itself. Yeah. But the story. <sighs> no. I don't know. Because you, you know, would have, it's, like, it's a solo performance. So in the stage version, it's one actor, all the parts. Right. You wouldn't do that in a, a film. You would have fifteen different parts, characters, and fifteen. No, different I can't actors. see. I see it. I see it. I see it as a film, kind of like Bo Burnham's Inside. Right. Mm. Right. I. See but it. I don't okay. see it as a real movie. As I think movie. it would be like too much, like a circus trick. Right. Right. Oh. And it would lose, to my mind, it would lose maybe that cathartic level of being. It particularly personal. Well, I right? think it's so symbolic that it's one person that performing it. You, you that's know, part like of the art, that's right? part of the art of it. Like yeah. there's so then that's the great thing about art, guys, is that yeah. it's it's like it's so it can go as deep as you allow it to. Mm-hmm. It's also part of the fact that we were both caught by schizophrenia. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, we were both ill. Yeah. Yes. It was your... two people who were ill. Right. Yeah. Not right. just one. Right. right. Yes. Wow. Well, this oh. has just been uh, incredible. And the idea of turning such, uh, um, I mean, I have turned my grief stories goosebumps. into 
theater and you're right it's cathartic it's also art it's it's a lot of things but in many ways my my writing isn't what happened to me it's what happened to like my play over my dead body it's really what happened to the family yeah whereas so this i could see is really the intensity and the cathartic portion of it it, happening to you it's just got to be really profound um I've seen clips. It's and uh, it's so interesting yeah. you say that, though, Elizabeth, because my next I'm trying to decide if I want to do because I've been written about the 20 years in hiding mm-hmm. because that's like what happened to my family. Yeah, that yeah. part I I yeah, held myself back from asking questions on that because I was like, that's all. That's probably a whole different episode. But <laughs> but um, yeah, I I would be. I would have to indemnify and There's really get permission and be very very intentional yes and i wish i had been more before you know right um but yes but i'm so much smarter now but i'm so much older now yeah <laughs> that's i have so much more to say you know <laughs> yeah. yeah i do <laughs> yes. i feel the same way i wish oh, i had God. been older then you yeah. know i mean i have so much I, now i want to write books yeah oh yes <gasps> i bet that would be great actually I mean, now it's so necessary too right. with what's coming out about mental illness and oh, I'm oh yeah. I mean, that's why I'm interested in this for narrative medicine. Yes. That's what I want to do with this show. I I love that it's like for audiences. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, I do. But I want I want physicians to understand yep. that they can come see this and look at this shows the inside of what goes on. Right. Oh my and, gosh. And we never get to see it. No. I wrote literally, they can come and look. I literally wrote exactly what it was like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I can say, I have almost gotten over post-traumatic stress, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It took years to figure that out. Right. And when I say I still have Stockholm Syndrome, I am not over that yet. Right, right, right. And you also I just said lo- um, almost over PTSD. That's right. You're not completely right. over it. Right. And I just, I have to. Yeah. I, I just want. I just want to recognize how powerful it is to give yourself that grace, and and to recognize where you're at and honor it, mm-hmm. and share yeah, it, and share course. it, and you're sharing it with people. Wow. That is so. That's. Uh, I just can say nothing more about it. My great kudos to you and appreciation to you for sharing this beautiful piece of art so that it makes it more accessible. Uh, That's one of the things I want to say in in watching some of your clips and and, hearing your stories and so forth. Uh, It's not just somebody standing up there and lecturing about... You know, how awful schizophrenia is right. I and mean, you with with art now you have allowed us the spectators to be immersed in what it felt like to, you know, we can't totally to feel. Uh, know exactly what you felt but we right. but through art we mm-hmm. are more likely to understand it better so right that is right. incredible so um uh Tell us a little bit. So it's going to be at the Marsh yes. in October. Oh, so sorry I messed that up in the beginning. Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. It, so it's only at the Marsh six Friday nights. <gasps> okay. Starting? on Starting on the 14th. Of um, October? Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm reaching out to um, 
the narrative medicine schools okay. and I'll also be reaching out to the uh, people I've done a lot of keynote speaking for um, partners ending domestic abuse and different uh, you know uh, people that work within the domestic violence uh, you know yeah sphere how yeah. communities yeah. Um, of course there are trigger warnings which I'm very mm-hmm. conscious about and very sensitive about for people. If they have complex post-traumatic stress disorder, it certainly is not a show for them. Right. Um, you know, uh, I don't go see those shows for myself. There are things I can do this show. I can't go see this show. Right. Yeah. Oh, that makes, yeah, yep. that does make sense. Totally understand right. that. Yeah. You know, the mm-hmm. music I composed, this show has music from the beginning to the end. It's only an hour. But the music that I composed with Kevin Gersovitz, um, my music partner, um, the music is, is, um, you know, it's, it, it, it speaks the, uh, the violence in the show. Mm. There, there isn't a lot of incredible violence in the show. Okay. So, but, but the music is what, uh, speaks of that. Yes. So it can be psychologically, um, alarming. Right. And, so, you know, I don't want to, tr- I don't want people to be triggered if they don't need to. So there's no reason with someone with severe complex post-traumatic right. or complex post-traumatic disorder to come in. Um, and it isn't for people under 18. Right. Yeah. Like, don't bring your kids. Right. No, please. <laughs> I know. So, okay. Well, we will definitely have, uh, we'll definitely have links to the show and get that word out. And then we will uh, actually do, we'll, we're going to air this soon. But also, we will make sure that we do a uh, repeat a little closer to the date of the opening. Oh, thank too. you. Oh, um, absolutely. So just want to say thank you so, so much for being with us and for using thank art you. in such a profound way. Wow. Uh, yeah. I have goosebumps. Like so, um, so on that note, I'll just say thank you to Catherine and my co-host, Hallie. Yes. Uh, another ending to another really inspiring profound episode of out of grief comes art and that's our show have a great wednesday guys thank you